Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. The title of the message is Giving in the Sight of the Kingdom. Remember, we are about to hear the reading of the word of the living God. Hear it with careful appreciation and attention. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, and what you will put on. For life is more than food. And the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do is Small a thing is that. Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive and in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word remains forever. Amen. In 1987, a movie came out entitled Wall Street, starring Michael Douglas playing the character of Gordon Gecko, infamous Gordon Gecko, who made this infamous statement to the Teldar paper stockholders. He said, greed for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is good. Greed, he said, is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies. Greed cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but the other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Well, I'm not really sure that Jesus of Nazareth had Gordon Gecko's perspective. Matter of fact, I'm rather sure he did not. If you were listening to the text this morning, quite the contrary being gracious and generous rather than greedy. You see, in our scripture reading, Jesus tells us that the only thing that can break the grip of greed in our hearts and in our hands is a view of the greatness of the kingdom of God and the grace of that king, of that kingdom's king. That's the only thing that can break when something greater comes. Today, I want to look at this subject. You know, we're not really big, Presbyterians are not really big on a lot of money sermons during the course of a year. Matter of fact, we've really been quite delinquent because of last year with COVID, we didn't even have a money sermon. But today, you get to have that. And you know what? It's probably a good reminder for all of us, even those of us that are faithful and generous in our giving, there is still so much more that we need to consider. And I want to look at two things today, simply in this te- from this text. And again, not expositing the whole text, but drawing out some important things that are taught in, the, in that text. First of all, talking about the strangling grip of greed on our lives, if we're not careful. It can have a strangling effect, an impact. Secondly, the spectacular grace of the kingdom. Spectacular grace of the kingdom that is ours in Christ if we are 
his followers and we follow his path and his direction. So the strangling grip of greed. What will it take to break the iron grip of greed from our hands, from our hearts? The question about inheritance rights that was in verse 14 of the text becomes a segue for Jesus' more important teaching about possessions in verse 21. Jesus was not about to get caught up in some legal banter or discussion with his opponents or with anyone else about something as mundane as who's going to get the inheritance and is he being fair. Jesus wasn't going there. He was going way, way deeper into something that mattered so much more. You see, Jesus was not about to get caught up in that of how I, we relate but to, into our possessions, but how they relate to the pers- purpose of life itself. The meaning of life, Jesus is saying in this text, in a summary, is that it's not found in the accumulation of wealth and acquisitions. It's not found. Life is not found by how much stuff and defined by how much stuff we have or can obtain. Jesus went on to illustrate that with a very important parable about the guy that was going to build more barns because he had so much stuff and he was going to just keep going. Man, he just was sure all he had to do is keep investing and he'll be reach his goal. The subject of the parable believes, basically the guy in that picture, believes in what we today could call a materialist mantra, a saying or slogan that goes like this. He who has the most toys wins. You've heard that, right? He who has the most toys wins. And that's how most of the world, if we happen to be in an afferent part of the world that has a degree of affluence, that's what we think generally, natively, it's all about. It's just okay. It's all about piling up and accumulating more and more and more. He already has far more than he needs, and yet he wanted more and more and more. But he failed to realize his investment portfolio was temporary in its returns. Whatever your investment portfolio is, the returns are temporary. Jesus, you see, was here exposing the dark underbelly of man's obsession with wealth. And again, by man, I mean men and women, human beings, their obsession with wealth. All of us, all of that guy's dreams and plans are about one thing, self-fulfillment. And that's probably the greatest epitaph that you could put upon modern culture today. It's all about self-fulfillment. I will give up anything. I will do anything that I need to do in order to be self-fulfilled. That's what this guy wanted in the parable that Jesus told. But he made an idol out of his possessions. 
He believes that having more will solve all of life's problems. Have you ever noticed how billionaires, multi-billionaires, they can be some of the tightest, chintziest people on the planet. They always are thinking, it's never enough. I need more. And even if that's not on that scale, proportionally, we can become just like that. We always need more. We want more. But you see, Jesus is saying that only what is invested with God is going to be permanent. Only what's invested with God is going to have eternal, not temporal, but eternal impact and consequence. You've all heard this one probably. It's been around a long time, but it's still so, so true. Someone once asked an accountant of a deceased millionaire how much money his employer left when he died. The accountant replied, all of it. All of it. He was asking how much is going to be left over for his heirs or for this. But you know, he, was, he said, no, you're, you're not really understanding. <laughs> all of it. He's leaving all of it. He's not taking one red cent out of this world. He's leaving it all. And that's what Jesus said. You fool. This night your soul is required of you. And whose will it be then? You're not taking it with you. Secondly, let's focus on something a little more positive than our greed. The spectacular grace of the kingdom. There's something that can change our greediness to something gracious. You see, having given this negative example of that parable in the first part of what we read in the text today, Jesus knows you can't beat something with nothing. Very hard to beat something. In other words, you've got a, a situation, you've got a problem. How are you going to beat it with nothing? You've got to put something in its place that is greater. And that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to raise our eyes and those of his disciples and those around him and their ears to the greater. The real corrective to a wrong relationship with our possessions is to realize what we already possess and never can lose. That's the greater. If we are Christians and we are followers of Christ, we are already have a greater possession than we can ever imagine. And the best part is it can't be taken from us by anything this world can throw at us. In verse 30 and 32 of the text, Jesus said, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, Seek his kingdom. And these things will be added. Get your priorities right. Put the first things first. 
And then the other things that you need, God will provide. And then the great wealth he talks about in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to what? Give you the kingdom. It's his kingdom, but he's going to let you have a piece of it. A giant portion that will fulfill you beyond anything that the things of this world can ever do for you. Having God as your father, being a part of his flock and under his protection and possessing a portion of the kingdom of God. Now Jesus reminds us that human beings' longings will be focused on the place where their possessions are concentrated. That's just math, simple math. Where your possessions, where uh, where your focus, the place that you put your focus, that's where your possessions will be concentrated. But, Death, when it comes, will either do one of two things. When it comes to your possessions, it will either unite people with their heavenly treasure that can't be ever taken away. It's either going to have that, so there's, it's no way to lose proposition if you're in Christ, if you're a believer, and you walk and trust the Savior. Or it's going to deprive you of everything that you've ever known and had. That's what happened with the fool. You see, to seek God's kingdom means to pursue those things involving the kingdom and its expansion. That you're using what you have and resources that you have, not only for your own self-preservation and many times much more than that, but rather you're not often, we don't often see the importance of giving to the expansion of the kingdom of God. And we have a way to do that. We know God's going to ultimately bring about his kingdom to the state that he wants it in. And ultimately, nothing you and I are going to do can stop that. And yet, we are called in stewardship to be partners with God. We are to join. He gives us a place. He brings us into partnership. And he allows what our little that we have or our much, he allows that to become an instrument in his hands, in the Redeemer's hands, to accomplish his purposes. So even though it's just money, even though it's just time, talent, or treasure, God multiplies that and uses it in the advancement of his kingdom. But we have to let go of the grip on that. Instead of trying to hold it as if there's not anything else out there that's more or better. As if that's all that there is. 
Hold on tightly because this is all I've got. No, we are heirs of a great kingdom. You see, God encourages us knowing our fears. He knows that. That's why Jesus said, fear not, little flock. He says, I know you're scared. I know this is, this is shaking up your categories because it's asking you to go beyond something you cannot see and to trust God for something that you cannot immediately touch. I know that. I know your fears. But he's reminding us of what we have and the fact that it cannot be taken from us. There's no way to lose this. What you invest with God will not ever be lost. He will use it however he pleases. The famous line from missionary Jim Elliott that many of you no doubt have heard, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he can never lose. He is no fool who gives up that which he can't keep. You're not going to get to keep it anyway for something that he can never lose. Do we really believe that? We should if we're followers of his. He's already enriched us with the riches of the kingdom. Not yet in its fullness, not in a way that we will totally see, but the seeds are there and they will grow to his purposes. You see, the concluding proverb teaches that if our treasure is invested in the kingdom, especially through our giving, our hearts will be focused there. Our hearts will change what they want. Our desires will change for something else. We always invest in what we truly value. If you really value something, you'll invest in it if you can. Well, if you invest, if you value the kingdom of God, if that's your greatest treasure, then you will value that. You see, what happens to your view of treasures when you discover something greater than all the treasures you've ever known in this world? What happens when that comes? You see, that's the pearl merchant who could never look at his other pearls the same way because he finally had found the pearl of great price, the mother of all pearls. And though the pearls were beautiful by themselves, he had no interest in them because he had found the greatest. You see, something greater displaces the lesser. And that's what we can't, we can't get past the struggle until we are captured and our hearts are captured by something larger and greater than ourselves. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what he came to bring. That's what he came to give us. <laughs> it's like for so long, we've been eating at a golden corral. Now, don't get me wrong. Especially back when I was younger, and I could eat more than probably half of you here, just me alone. I love 
Western Scissor and, and, and Golden Corrals. I love them. I still like them. But you know, not long ago, somebody took me to my first adventure at Ruth's Chris. Wow. My whole categories changed as to what a meal was. Golden Corral? Yeah. Ruth's Chris? Oh, what's Golden what? That's what I want. That's what I now know and have experienced. You see, remember, my friends, brothers and sisters, it's an upside down kingdom. God's kingdom is upside down. No, really, it's right side up, but it looks and feels upside down to me and you. This doesn't make sense. Lord, why would I give more of, I'm going to, what's going to happen to me? Trust in God. You see, remember, as we see it, it seems to us so many times we can't afford to give it away. Because you never know what can happen. But really that tells you and me, what is it that we're really trusting? What we can scrape together? Or are we really believing there is a kingdom to come? There really is a pearl of great price that absorbs all other loves. You see, in reality, we have wealth beyond compare. And we can afford to be generous because we're already rich. We're already rich. You know how we know? Jesus told us so. Matthew 5, 5. The meek will inherit what? The earth. The world is my oyster in Christ. I inherit the earth with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We've already got it. We're already there. So we can afford to give away this simple tokens that we often crave and quest for so greatly. You see, through the gospel, we have become heirs of the new heavens and the new earth. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And listen, and not just that, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. It's already in the bank. It's already locked up and stored and waiting for you and for me. We already have an inheritance that is beyond any comparison. Elon Musk looks like a pauper. Compared 
to what you and I already have and what is waiting for us. It's just waiting when we can be able to use it rightly. Isn't that, isn't that strange how we think that, well, well Lord, why didn't, you give, why, don't you, why didn't you give me that guy's gifts or that girl's gifts? Why, why, don't, why don't you give me that person's money? Well, maybe God knows that I wouldn't handle that person's money. If he gave me all that that person has, maybe I wouldn't handle it well. He knows what we have, but there is a great treasure that is in store. An inheritance beyond anything we can imagine. You see the gospel contrast? Jesus won't advocate for a meet, to be a mediator for some guy about his brother's uh, who's getting his father's inheritance. Jesus is not going to get involved in that. But you know what he will get involved in? He is the son who gladly died for selfish people like you and like me. And he's given us an incalculable inheritance from the father, which compels us to become generous like he is. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. You will be made rich, Paul says, in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why do you have wealth? Why has it been given to you? What you have? It's so that you can be generous with others. And thus, like father, like son. Like father, like son and daughter. What inheritance controls your plans for the future? What control mine? Oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making preparations. I'm trying really hard. I'm trying to, to, to do the responsible things and save and make sure that I'm not I'm trying to do all those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's what's in the heart. What am I expecting that to do? Is my trust in that or is my trust really in him? And am I showing the same kind of generosity that he has shown to me and to each other? You see, what inheritance controls your plans? For some of you, you need to learn to get a little closer to tithing. So that's a baseline. 10%, that's baseline. Giving, as far as I'm concerned, from what I understand of the scripture. You say, well, I, I, I can't do that. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not there. Okay. Start. Say, take, just take, say, okay. Once a quarter, I'm going to try to add one more percent to what I give. And then after that, or, or maybe it's a, only a year. Okay, I'm going to, next year I'm going to try to add one more percent to what I give. You would be amazed at what would happen. Before long, you would find yourself there. But what if you You see, the freedom you would realize and the kingdom impact that you would have from over and above giving, not just baseline giving, but over and above giving, you would be amazed the impact it has in the kingdom of God. 
you won't see it all. You won't get to see it all and its impact. There are things that you've done in, in the giving of your stewardship, of time, talent, and treasure, that some of those things will not be known until glory. Or if they're, if they're not known, they won't have mattered. But there will be things. Sometimes we get a hint at what happens, what God does with what we give. But I can guarantee you this. Divine compound interest is the best interest you can ever have. Divine compound interest is the best interest you can ever have. It beats anything. It beats anything in Bitcoin. It beats anything in gold and silver. It beats anything in tech options. Nothing can compare to it. But you have to trust him. Start with being faithful. Even if you're not there, start where you are. And just try and ask God to give you grace to take the next step. And remember, we're not just talking about money. We're not talking about just treasure. This is stewardship of all of we are. Time, talent, and treasure are all gifts from God that we are to steward, to use wisely and well. What? To advance his cause in his kingdom on this earth. We don't have to give it all. But we are called to give faithfully and generously. What about your time and your talent? Whatever the case, his call to generosity toward him is clear. The only question is what steps are we taking? What steps are we taking? You think about that. Amen. Father, Lord, how if we really knew how good and a gracious king you are and the inheritance, the treasure that's already ours in Christ and can't be taken away, we, we, would, we would not hold on so tightly, uh, Father, to the things of this world. But you know we're we're fearful people, Lord, but we're your little flock. And thank you for encouraging us today through your word and letting us know that we can't outgive you. Father, I pray you'll help us each grow in the use of our stewardship and our time and our talent and our treasure. Father, for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom and cause, Father, give us wisdom and direction and how we can do that more and more faithfully. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.